programs, and welcome to a new edition of the Awesome Friday Podcast. I am your host, my name is Matthew, and with me, as usual, is Simon. Please say hello, Simon. Hello, Simon. <laughs> uh, I left the door wide open. Really? Uh, like, you can't you can't do that to me, just expect me not to. Hello. Not only um, do we have a mutual love of dad jokes, but you are, in fact, a dad, so it's like double trouble. Uh, whenever the whenever that window is opened, you definitely come in through the door. I, I've said uh, this to you in real life, but one of the most pleasurable things is I have a twelve year old son, and uh, he's Canadian, so um, he's still learning humor. And uh, <laughs> that's okay. We'll get, um, him in, we'll get him in front of kids in the hall soon enough. Yeah, he needs it. And one of the the most pleasurable things is is lining him up, especially if I catch him unawares with a dad joke and just the horror on his face, the sheer physical pain on his face, which um, my my dad has now latched onto. Is now, my dad is now emailing my son terrible dad jokes just so you can invoke the same pain. So apples and trees and all that. But uh, you know, there's, always a, yes. there's always a moment where you can tell um, that a joke becomes a dad joke. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's often quite subtle, but it always becomes apparent. Oh, dude. <laughs> My fucking god! <laughs> You're just welcome. Let's go, go to a hospital and steal a child because you need you know, with this quality dad jokes. You need like the context. Fucking hell! Uh, uh, yep. Um. Anyway, how are you? How are things? We sorry, uh, I've got a lot on our bonus episode I, about stuff I, today. So how I, how are I you got, going generally? I got distracted thinking about why. Uh, why baguettes were kept in jail cells? Oh yeah, why bred it? in captivity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, I'm fine. We had a very long bonus episode today, so I'm a bit talked out. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm fine. I mean, it's just so, what, what can I tell you? I've been working. Loki's fantastic. Go listen to our episode. Uh, Loki season two is great, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I said this. I said it in the bonus show, but for those of you who are listening this week, go check out the bonus show. I'm going to make this week's one free Woo! for everyone. Yeah, um, so you can hear what that's like. Uh, and if you'd like to support us, uh, it is it's on Patreon. Um, is it Patreon or Patreon? Uh, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But um, this can be on there, and it'll be free for everyone to listen to. And if you like what you hear over there, which is a little more free form, a little more rambly, and a little more, I think, interesting generally, to be totally honest, um, mm-hmm. uh, you can maybe sign up and support us for as little as two dollars Canadian a month. Please do that. Yes, we need uh, your money, so do that. But in service of the banter for this week on the main show, what uh, what have you bought on physical media this week? Anything? Uh, I bought a bunch of music, actually. Um, that CDs count as physical media. I bought um, Primal Screams, Screamadelica, which is one of the great remix albums of all time. And mm. I bought um, Beck's Mutations, which was one of the two albums that got me through uh, I wasn't a great student, so I left all my university work the night before. And so Beck's Mutations and there's a Shell Crow album that I, I listen to constantly. Um, I bought Natalie and Bridley's Torn because I uh, deeply in love with her. And um, I which, don't one think is muta- I, which one is Mutations? What What's on Mutations? Mutations would... is the one where he, he decided to make uh, almost a blues album, but it's very almost, it's like his country and blues album. 
and uh, it's got a few rock moments as well, but it's very different. Oh, right. It's the one that's right after Odelay, which is the one of his yes. that I quite liked. Yes, he 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 bounced off. It's I, I believe he had a moment where Odelay got so big and he got so famous for a certain kind of music, he just decided to make the kind of stuff that he was interested in, which was at that time country folk and with a bit of blues thrown in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a bit like Prince. He can just do. He he will just choose a genre and then excel in it because that's what Beck does. He's incredibly well-versed musician um i was going to buy as i texted you the man with two brains but the t- the dvd was all scratched up so i'll watch that at some point oh so this but, is a, uh, a thrift store run yeah salvation salvation army in the west is an amazing thrift store and i also found this will mean nothing to anyone but i found the soundtrack to wipeout xl which is the second ps2 wipeout game from way, way back in the day that I believe was a UK-only release. And I actually shrieked a little when I saw that CD in the in the bins, was not expecting to find that in Salvation Army in New West. So, and that's hmm. got, it's an amazing dance compilation of this is uh, about, my character. This is about to become the most regionally specific episode ever. But yeah, the, 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 uh, the Salvation Army store in New West, I think, is the biggest and, and main one in the, in the lower mainland of BC. So Pretty good. It's really, yeah, really it's, good. They, they definitely about, have a ton of stuff. How about you? What, what, have you uh, what have you bought? I, for my part, walked past that last night after they were closed. Oh, there we are. Yeah. What um, have you bought this week? I'm just trying to restrain myself, to be totally honest, because it's been a bit of an interesting billing couple of months in my day job. Um, but I got paid this week, and my deal with myself is that I can buy a thing whenever I do actually get paid over a certain amount. And um, it's also difficult because it's Christmas, so I, had, I pre-ordered things that I was sure I wouldn't be getting because they're not coming out until technically January. Um, but that means that um, in January, I will be receiving... The Arrow Video Special Limited Edition exclusive with a poster and a bunch of other stuff of Tremors 2 Aftershocks <laughs> on 4K Blu-ray. And also oh, their newly announced Conan Chron- Chronicles, which is a newly remastered version of both Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer in a single pack with a poster and a bunch of other stuff. And I know that like as a film nerd, I'm supposed to be like all about the Criterion Collection and the BFI and stuff like that. But honestly, Arrow Video is putting up the stuff I want to watch today. So I like I'm really a lot a lot of the times when I'm looking at stuff to like that I want to own, it turns out to be that like this particular like B movie '80s classic is almost always an Arrow Video special release rather than mm-hmm. Criterion or everyone else. Sometimes it's Shout Factory. I do technically have on order from Shout Factory from like two months ago. I have their new Shout Selects version of Point Break on on pre order. Um, and also that's the new film. And also the new 4K of Clue on pre order from Shout Selects. <laughs> oh come on! Um, you don't need Clue in 4K. Do you need Clue in 4K? Clue is <laughs> one of the greatest comedies of the eighties. It I is really a perfect, enjoyed it. It is a perfect, a perfect uh, comedy and has some of the best, I think to this day, some of the best wordplay in any script I've ever seen. 
Um, uh, it's funny because I watched Clue when I was quite young and I hated it. And then I watched it randomly recently and loved it. And the reason I hated it when I was a younger, like beginning my film buff journey, so quite pretentious, I was like, oh, the, the multiple endings doesn't make any sense. And then I rewatched it like recently. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> oh, I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what it must have been like. And if I, if I, if I could have a time machine, I think one of the things I would do is go back in time and watch it in three different cinemas to see that. Cause when they originally released <laughs> it in cinemas, each cinema got a different ending. You didn't get all three. You just got one. See, and see, uh, it wasn't until it was released on TV that you got like the version where it's like, but this also could have right. happened and you get the other two. That's really interesting to me. Cause I think it only works because of that that mishmash hodgepodge of endings at the end and there and all the looks they give to Kara and all the repeated lines between them as the actors, it, it's kind of almost pre, um, preceding the goes wrong show where there's lots of lines given to the audience because they're like, Oh, we're back in this situation with this line. So it works really, really well with the different endings. I'd be really curious to, to see how it works when you just get one ending. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. The, uh, I think one of the, my favorite repeated line and one that for like a lot of film stuff has worked its way into my like vocabulary. Like I definitely say shiny instead of cool, which is straight out of serenity um, and firefly. I say, well, you're not wrong a lot, which is straight out of the, it's a, I got a Robert Downey jr. Line from the Avengers. Um, but one thing I've always like, maybe it's cause it didn't ever work its way in consciously, but I've, I've always sort of regretted that communism was just a red herring did not make it into my like <laughs> internal lexicon because uh, I every time that line is delivered in the three different endings is fucking perfect. <laughs> um, but it's just like there's so many little exchanges in the movie that are like um, at one point it's Mrs. White and she's like she's saying something like he was deranged he was a lunatic he didn't like me very much he had threatened to kill me in public and Miss Scarlet says why would he want to kill you in public? And then Wadsworth is like, I think she meant he threatened in public to kill her. <laughs> like, and it's just, it's a nothing joke, but it's such a, like the way it's delivered and the way it's written is so perfect. Yeah. And then there's a whole scene toward the end where they're trying to count the bullets that have been fired out of this gun. And they're like, no, it's one plus one yeah. plus two plus one. No, it's one plus two plus one. Plus one. <laughs> like, it's just so, it's like a, it's a, a murder, a murderer's row of talent from that yeah. time. And they're all yeah, delivering really dialogue is. so wonderfully um and it's just also just infinitely rewatchable uh and so yes it will definitely be in a place of honor in 4k on my shelf i think my only regret is nice. i'm not i don't think i i don't think i got the steelbook version but uh, we'll see does it come with a bunch of extras or not apparently it does yes um shout, oh, shout select shout factory stuff is generally pretty good for that um but there is nothing more frustrating than a very nice looking new edition that has exactly nothing in it. Yeah. Uh, I, I did recently acquire, I don't know if I told you or if I said on the show before, but I recently acquired the new uh, Steelbook Anniversary Edition of Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon, which is just a very specific film, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but it has like it has a new commentary by two journalists and nothing else. Like yeah, nothing else. And it's super, it's a gorgeous looking, it's a gorgeous 4K. Uh, the movie looks great in 4K, and the steelbook itself is the art is gorgeous. But there's nothing else in it, and there's nothing more disappointing than that, than that mm -hmm. in a DVD release to me. Yeah. And I definitely used to be in my stupid youth. I was always I didn't watch a lot of special features when I was much younger because I was the type of person though who would be like, 
I couldn't get out of my head that like, if you're watching a movie and there was a scene with a sunset and the commentary would say something like, Oh yeah, this scene is really meaningful. Like the, the DP's dad died and willed this lens to the, to the DP and he shot it and we had tears in our eyes because we knew it was a special. And like, and from that point on, I would never be able to not hear that in my head when I watched the scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm not like that so much anymore, but uh, it was definitely a thing. And now is... I just, now I just want something no, yeah, material. Right. I want to know more about yeah. how it was made. And yeah, I was young and stupid it, then. You're right. Commentary, the things you learn in commentary just stick with you. Like the punch in fight club, which was so meaningful. The first time I watched it, then I realized, then I heard it wasn't scripted at all. And it was literally uh, Brad Pitt punching Ed Norton so hard on the ear. He couldn't hear properly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, uh, I should rewatch that. That was one of the, DVDs yeah. I recently found that I was convinced I'd given away. Um, I've got it over here. Yeah, I've got oh, I've got two versions of it over here. I've got the one you just found on the Blu-ray as well. Seems like yeah, for, kill, the, but... for those of you who didn't listen to the main show, I recently found a box full of old DVDs I thought I'd got rid of, and uh, I was very happy to do so, including yes. that uh, soap package version DVD special edition of Fight Club. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yep. Okay. Well, well what should we talk about this week? All right, so uh, let's talk about some movies. Um, we're talking about two this week, and we're going to start with um, uh, a new video game adaptation for a film for a game called Five Nights at Freddy's, which, for the record, I have never actually played. Um, but the setup for this movie is that um, Josh Hutcherson's character is down in his luck and kind of a shitty employee. He gets fired from his job as a security guard. He becomes desperate because he's caring for his younger sister. His parents are both gone. Um, and he's desperate. And he doesn't want to work nights because he spends all of his nights, like, purposefully lucid dreaming to try and remember details of his older brother's... Younger brother's? His younger brother's uh, abduction. Um, but he becomes desperate, and he accepts a job as a night guard at... Um, Freddy Fazbear's what's it called? Uh, Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. Yeah. Um, and at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, as we soon find out, they it's a closed down Chuck E. Cheese type place, and they had these animatronic characters, and they come to life at night. They are they can walk around autonomously. They have personalities, and also they are murderous, uh, which we find out pretty much immediately. Um. And then the rest of the movie happens, and it's pretty boring. I don't like. I don't have a good review. I'm sorry, I don't have a good review for this film. Um, the animatronic characters are well designed. I think the way they move is really interesting. I think the idea is really interesting. I think this movie is boring as hell. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about it? So I think the problem with this film is that I have played this game. And it is a horror game. It is um, It'd be a nice one if it was a horror movie. Well, that's the thing. So this this is a, a, a game that took the popularity of murder machines from Saw and combined it with the horror at the time, which is uh, liminal spaces. So uh, spaces that should have people in them that are now empty, so that the the empty uh, scariness of a liminal nighttime security guard combined with 
um, haunted animatronics. And and it was really just that you just play, you've got to survive five nights and you use security cameras to try and keep one step ahead of these haunted animatronics. And then eventually they get you and you basically uh, learn more about the systems of, of what to turn on and turn off. And basically you're in a, in a chair. This oh, is a be, it would be great if the movie was anything right. like that. But they're kind of hamstrung because it's it is a and when you get killed by these things, it's all like whirring, like th- like spikes, and it's very very uh, gruesome. But this game is played by children, ostensibly like young teens. And um, when this game came out, it was just like this one note thing. And then a YouTuber called MatPat started in uh, inventing his own law to stick all this together, like what if things. And then the uh, creator, Scott Cawthorn, took all that lore and basically every sequel to Five Nights and Freddy's had the lore that was imagined by this YouTuber. And then, so it, it became this very, very in-depth thing with lots and lots of fans. And they, of course, it needed a video game adaptation, but they're kind of stuck because they've got to make a horror movie, a very graphic saw-esque horror movie about hauntings and dismemberings and and being killed horribly by animatronic uh figures but uh keep that uh, different from games like you've got to keep that rating down so you can then have your audience come and see it and so you end up with this really like tepid it's not one thing it's not the other it's a horror movie that's not scary it's a thriller that's not thrilling um, and then all this it's extra a, it's a lore. It's a gory movie that's not gory. It's a gory, but... yeah. All this extra <laughs> lore has to be put in, but it's been put in, in a way that doesn't actually make any of the characters interesting in any way. Um, but I also think that we're not, this is not made for us. It's This movie has seven YouTubers in it, and including I... the, the, cab, the, the cab driver is a YouTuber, all the employee amounts are YouTubers. And um, the main YouTuber, MatPat, has a a series of lines that he uses when discussing this that have become catchphrases that are apparently in this movie, and I didn't recognize them. If you go and watch this with young teens, apparently the noise level is like Endgame when Cap gets Melinia. Like, it's absolutely bedlam when he says things like, I have a theory, which is a big catchphrase. So I just don't think we're the right people to watch this film. I'm sure the teens loved it, uh, but uh, from our point of view, without the context, it's it's a very weak movie because it can't be anything. It can't be a horror, and it can't be a thriller, uh, and it's kind of weirdly paced. And um, Josh Hutchinson, bless him, he's doing his best. I really like him. I like him generally. Weirdly but... paced. It's glacially yeah. <laughs> paced. It's not weird. It's just fucking slow. Yeah, like, I don't strange. know, man. Like, first off, I just need to back up for a second. And can you just say <laughs> the name of Thor's hammer again? Just really quickly say the name of Thor's is, hammer. Is it, uh, is it not Malinia? No, it's Mjolnir. Oh, you fucking nerd. <laughs> it's Thor's, Thor's big shiny hammer. It's either Mjolnir or Stormbreaker, depending which one we're talking about. But Stormbreaker's anyway. the axe, nerd. Even yeah. I know that. It's a hammer um, on the other side. Um, uh, I don't know, man. I don't disagree. Like, I definitely think, and I've I've said this a lot of times before about other movies we talked about. I fully concede that I am not the target audience for this. 
Um, however, <laughs> at the same time, I think very generally speaking, uh, you know, films do need to be made for a wider audience. And I think if you're not in on the joke, which is a fairly narrow subset of people, if you're not in on the joke, it's just not good. Like there's, I think it's really hamstrung by it being PG-13. I think that like, if there's an R-rated cut of this movie, I would love to see it. Um, because every single kill is cut away from. There's exactly one animatronic that I think is really fun, and that's a cupcake. Um, but he's also, <laughs> the cupcake's also not on screen anywhere near enough. Like, there's definitely be a line, like, there would definitely be a point where the cupcake was sort of overused, but at this point, he's just not used enough. He's in, like, two things, two scenes. And I think that the movie, the movie stops too often to tell us some ridiculously convoluted backstory. It mm -hmm. just... And it doesn't just that it slows down, it full on stops. And I, I can't, I don't know, I, I just can't, I can't, there's no like rhythm to get into. And then there's no, like, there's no like exciting thing to pull you out of that stoppage either. It's, it's, it's just not very good. It's just not very well constructed. I think you're right that Josh Hutcherson is doing, I think, actually pretty good work as this tortured guy just trying to. And I think his whole arc, which is basically like, I need to stop living in the past and live in the present, which I don't think is a spoiler because it's a pretty common story story arc for a, uh, a protagonist of a story like this. Um, I think he's doing great work. I think there's a couple of great, really well-directed scenes. There's a, a one, one really amazing match cut that cuts from like one person swinging a thing to another person being thrown across a room into a, a arcade game, which I thought was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can definitely tell it definitely feels like one of those movies where they made an R rated movie and then the producers were like, yeah, but we need to show this to 12 year olds. And they just cut out everything that would give this movie the extra oomph it needs to be for the bad parts to be forgivable. Basically like you can, I can get past the like slow moments in movies as long as there are like I can get out of the low points as long as there's high points and there just aren't any high points in this because the main story is too, too dull and too slow and the kills are always cut away from. Yeah. So there's nothing exciting to pull you out of it. And I, this... and I do hope, I honestly legitimately hope that the people, I think you're right. The people who are going to connect with this film are going to connect with it hard. And I think they're probably going to love it. And I am not one of them this time. It's a shame. You're totally right that you you when making a film like this and Minecraft is that the movie that is long in production but is still coming out is going to face the same problem. Like you can't just make a reverential movie that's only for these people to have legs. And I think there's some really interesting ideas in here. There's there's a, there's a an idea that the um, it's I don't care. This is spoiler, but it doesn't matter. All the animatronics are haunted by these kids that were kidnapped by this one dude and killed. So they're dead, but they're haunting these animatronics and they're kind of enamored with the guy. They don't know that he's a monster. He's he, They're like under his spell as ghosts. And, and Josh Hutchinson's haunted by the disappearance of his young brother who was clearly taken by the same guy who we don't see his face until it's a big reveal, but you didn't see that coming. And then... Um, well, I found there was an interesting idea that when he is sleeping in the uh, in, in the pizza place, the ghosts of the children 
start appearing in his recurring dream of his his brother being taken that is his nightmare that haunts him and i thought that was an interesting story device but then it just it just didn't it what it builds to like this this mini kind of objective in the middle where they kind of get all friends and that he needs his little sister to communicate with them and then it's just done <laughs> like then it's just the end of the movie where they have a big fight with the animatronics and they reveal the bad guy and uh it's it's there there isn't the the care or there isn't any care or attention or, or kind of um uh intelligence put into any part of this film to make it interesting i really wanted to like this film i really 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 wanted to like this film because i do like a, approachable um horror and i and this is going to be a gateway horror for many many people that watch it they're going to watch this and think well maybe i like horror movies and then they'll start watching things that are perhaps a bit more gruesome and a bit more open but uh, so that's good you know it's going to be a, a gateway drug for some people but um it just wasn't fun to watch and i think that's really important when you're being yeah. chased by animatronic rabbits and then it also like again if it were fun to watch there's a bunch of stuff i could get past like there's a there's a moment in the scene so in this film where Josh Hutcherson is like spending the night, like it's the first night he's there, maybe it's the second night. And this cop shows up and she's like, hi, I'm a cop. I clearly know more than I'm letting on about this place. <laughs> and um, later on when a big reveal happens, she's like, I tried to warn you. And as all I could do not to be like, no, you didn't. You literally did not try to warn him. You just said yeah. like, you, you like, you said a lot of things. You said a number of things that implied, you know, more than you're saying, you know, but at no point, did you actively warn him about this job or what it would entail or what would happen if you stayed here overnight? Like you just didn't, you just didn't. And I find that kind of stuff really frustrating, but also only when the movie's bad, like again, if it had had really fun kill scenes or even just anything tense at all in any of the kill scenes, I would have been like, yeah, you know what? Like, it's fine. I can get over that part because I enjoyed this part. Like in the same way as we spoke about in the bonus episode, like I don't think that Jurassic Park two, the lost world is a terrible movie because there's scenes in it that I think are great. And I find them very rewatchable. And I think this could easily have fallen into that category. If it had any of the second time there, <laughs> like if it had, oh. if it had the things that would help me get past the things I didn't like, it would be fine. It would be a perfectly fine three-star movie. And I would be, very happy for all the people who are connecting with it um, because it's great to connect with media in a meaningful way that stuff you can latch onto in the way that like I latched onto clue or to the Conan movies or to star Trek or whatever. And I really mm. do hope that people have that experience with this, but I did not because it is boring, which I think is the cardinal sin of movies. If it was bad and interestingly, so I would like it more, but it's just boring. And yeah. And I, I, I'm upset about that. I don't think if you didn't have any, if you didn't have any interest in the the game franchise beforehand, this is not going to change your mind. And I think that's a shame because there's an opportunity here for to bring people, the film people to the game would have been nice by making a fun movie. Uh, fun, it just likes fun, and yeah. I think that's um, for a movie that's a giant animatronics hunting people in a abandoned pizza factory by the ghosts of dead kids. I think there's a lot of opportunity there to make a fun movie and um, just needed someone a, a bit better at the, 
or, or a bit more care. Man. It just feels a bit rushed as well. You know, it's lowest common denominator filmmaking because, because we weird, have no it's context. Weird, it's weird to say that it feels rushed when it's almost two hours long too. Like it's uh, it's simultaneously too long. It's oh, I meant rushed into production, like the just the the scripting and the production. And I I do appreciate yeah. that the the all the um all the animatronics are. They were made by the the Henson studio, weren't they? Like they're all physical, and I really appreciate that they went physical for all the stuff instead of really bad CG. But um, oh yeah, and there's very actually that. very very little CG in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And the and again, like I said, I think I said at the outset, like the animatronics, the creatures are all great. Um, like mm-hmm. the way they're designed, and I'm even actually a pretty big fan of the way they they move really like chunkily and very slowly and deliberately, which I think. I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, though, it's just, it's just, again, the cardinal sin of, of a film is that it's boring. Um, mm-hmm. And if it were, if it were a worse movie or at least worse in a more interesting way, I would think I would like it more. Um, mm-hmm. But as it is, it's just kind of generic and boring and, mm-hmm. and it's a problem. So I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going to give it two stars which I think mm. is fairly generous. Uh, one for the production design and one for Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I am also going to give it two stars because I thought Josh Hutcherson actually was good, um, even though he didn't have much to go on. And uh, again, I liked the um, the physical animatronics were nice. But there's, there's, uh, and it's nice. I, I'm, I'm happy that if the people that love the movie, that the game... This might be their first, I'm going to say horror in quotes, but their first horror movie experience. And it might open the door for them to watch more horror movies. So that's a good thing. I will say, always do more. I will say it's not enough to like swing a third star or anything, but I did actually really like Matthew Lillard in this as well. Um, yep. I thought that he was good. It's also just nice to see him in a movie again. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, he's great. I know, I know he's spent a lot of his time as like an acting teacher. Um, and in other pursuits like that. Um, but I do, I think he has a really interesting screen presence that really mm-hmm. serves films like this well, um, despite yes. his sort of zanier output in the 90s. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But a bit of a so, missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of, and like, I don't know, Mary Stuart Masterson is in this. And like, I can't remember the last time mm. I saw her, but her yeah. character is so one-dimensional as to be just forgettable yeah totally yeah okay anyway, well, well that's that's move... that two two stars across the board for yeah. five nights at freddy's and let's move on to a better movie um this one we're catching up with it was in cinemas i believe in late august early september um, and it's now available on Netflix where we live, so we're catching up with it. Uh, Simon, why don't you give us, and just <laughs> as as briefly as you can, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of movie in this movie, but give us the the basic setup for Shah Rukh Khan's second film of the year, Jawan. Do you know? You know, where we always um, introduce a movie each, and when you started the introduction for Five Nights at Freddy's, I was like, "Oh God, I have to do one now," and I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, so, uh, one man in India uh, decides to go with his team of very competent ladies into 
a number of situations, including a train, and to hold people hostage uh, to get money from uh, big business people. But it, it turns out very quickly that he is a somewhat of a Robin Hood character in that the, he is doing all of this to right the wrongs of corruption in India, where farmers are committing suicide because of uh, they can't even pay the interest back on loans um, for the um, and different aspects of public society in India that have fallen foul to mass uh, corruption. So it's a big. This movie is one big political statement, um, and uh, as the movie unfolds, um, we see a secondary character who is the police negotiator played by uh, Naya Thara, um, who um, uh, unbeknowingly falls for, uh, I've probably said too much, haven't I? But there's Honestly, a relationship. You haven't, even, you haven't even covered like the I'm first sure. 30 minutes of this three hour <laughs> film. So I don't, I don't know that you have. So, it's it's basically a Robin Hood story where who where the Robin Hood keeps his uh, identity a secret, and of course the um, the police person falls in love with the man, not knowing that he is secretly the Robin Hood. But but that hasn't even touched the very first scene, uh, which cuts to a which is a man falling out of the um, or being found in a river who saves a village. Um, we've also got. Uh, flashbacks about farmers. We've got flashbacks about um, uh, the industrialist complex uh, bribing families to, to vote certain ways for them and for punishing horribly the families that do not. Um, uh, this is a three-hour film that is basically three genres in one, and it is so dense and what you have to do with Joanne, and it's, it's we talked in a similar way about KK, uh, sorry, RRR, KKK. That's a different that's, movie. That's uh, a different R -R -R. film, sir. <laughs> and um, Pathan, where you, you have to, as Western audience, you have to accept the fact that these movies are not the structured in the way that we expect Western movies to be structured in terms of pick a genre and keep it. These movies are like, sure, I'll do a genre for like half an hour, and then you're going to get a half hour flashback with a different genre. And Pathan is uh, very much that. The only version available to us was the extended cut. I'd be very uh, curious to watch the original cut to compare it. But it's um, it's three hours, and it is incredibly in-depth, and it gives itself time to make us feel everything it wants us to feel. And... Uh, what is most impressive about this film is that I really struggled for the first two hours and then the last hour is 100% payoff where every single thing, including all the plot holes you think you found, that all the minus, all the little things like, oh, how did they do this? Or how did they know this? Every single thing is addressed and answered mm -hmm. in detail and it is incredibly satisfying. To watch to watch an hour of payoff, and I have to tell you, I don't, I didn't know who Shah Rukh Khan was before Pathan. We only knew through um, uh, the the uh, before um, when we covered Pathan and and also RRR. We've had lots and lots of 
feedback and um, recommendations from our wonderful listeners who are from this culture, who who uh, just, it's so clear that people love this man and love these movies. And for good reason, because he is such a great leading man. And in this movie, he is, uh, <laughs> he, he really demonstrates his flexibility in his characterization of different characters. And um, well, he's he so plays, charismatic. He two different well, characters easy. that he plays two different characters and a total and between those two characters they have <laughs> i think three timelines and five disguises uh, yes. or something like it's a lot he plays and a they're lot all di- yeah they're all different and um there's one extended flashback that has two musical numbers just in that flashback the second one of which is fantastic but it also features what might be the world's most beautiful woman. Uh, I'm not sure if her cameo is a secret, if it's meant to be. She's she's in the credits no, at the beginning. It's, it's in all the marketing as like, because she's in it, uh, Deepika right. Bhattacone is in it as a, it's like and, a special appearance. And I have to say, I absolutely adore watching her. I saw her first in X Three, which is a fantastic film. And then in Pathan. And I just think she's incredible to watch. She's got, apart from being mind-numbingly beautiful, I think she is a, a great actor and she, she does uh, dancing really well. She's she does fight scenes brilliantly, and her extended flashback is wonderful. And um, there's there's one moment actually when it it feels like there's a build to something, and then it goes silent, and it cuts to a character saying a line. And I had a bigger stomach drop emotional reaction in that one moment than any Marvel movie I've ever seen in the cinema. Like it's. It, it feels like when you watch this film, and I really recommend you do, like give it time, watch it over a couple of days if you want, but just be aware that there's a reason why it's three hours. There's a reason why it takes its time to give you all this emotional context and so many crossover characters and so many details. And if you can just watch and pay attention to it, then the last hour is going to just feel great. And it also does this thing, Shah Rukh Khan, as I found out in Pathan, one of my favorite things he's done, he he does, is um, I'm going to beat people up, but I'm probably a bit too old for this now. And he does like the little, <laughs> there's a great, in Pathan, there's the great scene on the train where he kind of fights with his buddy and then they all mind about how old they are. And he has a moment to do that here as one specific character. And it's just, I just love it. I just love it. It's so, he's so char- charismatic. And the music is so great. And the end of this movie is um, a big celebration. I didn't love it as much as Pathan. I did find it hard to get through. I was going to say, I didn't like it as much as Pathan or... But it's fine. I mean, I think for me, there's two things that are... If you can get on board with two things about this film, then I think you'll have a great time. One is that you're not wrong that it's a big political statement. The big, like... The big final like Robin Hood heist is basically a PSA about how important your vote is as a citizen of your country. Um, and the other thing you need to know is that at one point during one of the big final action scenes, Shah Rukh Khan is riding a motorcycle. He gets out <laughs> way, way ahead of a convoy and he does a brake slide. And while he does that brake slide, he puts, his, he, he puts his heel down and his heel has a bit of metal on the back edge of it and it creates just a ton of sparks and those sparks fly up and they light the cigar he's just put in his mouth 
And then he casually steps off the bike, which continues in a circle <laughs> around him. And as it comes back around to the front of him, he takes a cigar and flicks it directly into the bike's gas tank, which he then sends back towards the convoy where it explodes. And that is like the ninth most bonkers thing that happens overall in this sequence. Like, if you can get on board with the way that Indian action films like work in terms of their physics and the way that their characters are all superheroes, you will have a great time with this film. Yeah. Uh, and there's no one... I don't think there's anyone who does it better than Shah Rukh Khan. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't seen enough to, to, to declare that in a definitive way, but like I certainly haven't seen anyone who looks as cool or as comfortable doing any of it as Shah Rukh Khan. Um, yeah, he's kind, of, he's, he's kind of great, isn't he? Yeah, and like, I like, there's other, I like Salman Khan. Um, I, I like, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the main guy in Brahmastra this year, I think is also really good, but like, I don't think there's anyone, I don't think Shah Rukh Khan is equaled in terms of this. And it's amazing to me that he hasn't been nabbed for like John Wick or for the Fast and Furious or for a new Triple X or something. Yeah, absolutely. He's been in North American productions. Like one of the first things I ever saw him in was a film called I, My Name is Khan, where he plays a man who lives in San Francisco and goes to confront the president about anti-Muslim prejudice after 9-11. Super good film, actually. Um, at least I remember it being good. Um, but it's just amazing to me that they haven't grabbed him for for some kind of North American action franchise. Because he's not new, either. Like He's, he's 58 oh. now, which also defies belief in the same way that Tom Cruise, being like 62, defies belief. Um. Oh. And he's been around, he's been acting in movies since the ni- early 90s. Like, I don't, it's amazing to me he hasn't been nabbed. But maybe he's just content to be, you know, the acme of Bollywood. Um, either way, I'm maybe glad he exists. Maybe he's too big for an American cameo now. Maybe this, he doesn't need, I mean, he is huge in his home country. And uh, you're right, though. I, I was half expecting him to be in the latest Fast and Furious after the fan. Because he does seem... Just like um, Deepika Pat, oh, Deepika Patikone was so great in Triple X Three, I think he would just be fantastic. Because there's a great uh, one of my favorite action sequence setups is convoy chase, like fighting in a convoy, mm-hmm. um, and this has a great one of those. And it's so fast and furious. It's so Triple X, and he's so good in it. it you can see him. Just transpose into the next triple X would be the easiest thing. And um, interesting, the triple X three is the only it like it's the closest a Western film has got to this kind of like Hollywood action film. And uh, I would love to see a bit more of that. But uh, yeah, it's 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 also weirdly speaking, it's one of the most diverse action films, like in terms of its casting and cultural representation. It's one of the most diverse yeah. things that's been made in Hollywood in ages, and yeah, uh, yeah it's it's uh, uh, yeah. Jawan, what was interesting about Jawan is that it one of the other statements it makes is about uh, female equality and uh, ability, and sorry, that, that's me, isn't it? That clicking mm-hmm. sound is me, and the um, uh, it, it's no secret that female rights in India is a major talking point at the moment. And I feel like this film absolutely did not back down from talking about 
uh, political corruption, the need to vote, and the need to uh, to to recognize women's rights. And it, what I think, what I was really impressed with is that it didn't uh, feel cheesy or it didn't feel patronizing, because a lot of uh, a lot of movies when they try and do that feel like they 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 don't feel authentic. Like I just feel like a woman wrote parts of this movie. I don't know who wrote this film, but I feel like the female characters, the empowerment of the female characters was really cool. And I think that's the key. Like they were just really, really cool. His little squad of uh, like female inmates who is little Robin Hood squad. And, mm-hmm. um, and it felt really authentic. And I, I, I think that's a hard balance to get. And I'd be very curious to, to know who, who wrote those characters because it, it was the exact right kind of female empowerment, which is watching watching them do intelligent, cool things in action scenes. Basically. Yeah. I know that the director of this film, a guy named At Lee, um, who I he this is his like uh I think it's his Hindi language debut. I think he's I think he's mostly known for Tamil films. I can just Google this. Yeah, Tamil films. Mm-hmm. Um he also wrote it, um, and he co- it was co-written by someone, and I apologize in advance, I'm almost certainly going to mispronounce this, but the co-writer's name, he's credited as, as S. Uh, Ram, Ramana Garivasavasan, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and I, want, I do wonder, too, like, it's definitely, it's definitely very cognizant of all of its political messages, and I guess maybe, like, maybe this is a very, like, western way of interpreting indian film but it is it is in every way unsubtle in a way where like this kind of message would be some kind of parable in a western film right like yeah it would be it would be a far more subtle far but like this film is not afraid to smack you in the face with a sledgehammer with either action or its messages and it's honestly kind of refreshing that like Mm -hmm. A lot of this would be in a Western film. A lot of the kind of stuff it's talking about would be subtext, and it is just mm-hmm. text in this movie. Yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it does not fuck around at all. Yeah. Doesn't waste any time. Doesn't like build a construct in which you have to understand what's happening. It just says this is what's happening, and uh, you're bad. The bad guys are bad. We're the good guys, and we're gonna rectify. And also, just that, like, I do love that as a person who's become politically far more left-wing as he's gotten older i do sort of love that they're like well we're gonna solve government corruption by doing a minor terrorism and just proving, <laughs> and just yeah. proving that like you know you like the government can do these things they just need to actually do them you know mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. uh, i kind of I, not to condone terrorism or all that kind of stuff but it's very uh mm-hmm. it's very it's very again very straightforward in its political uh messaging yeah i really like that about it yeah yeah me too yeah very very good yeah uh how, how many stars are you gonna land with joanne then three i think actually i, I did feel that like mm-hmm. um i don't it's interesting because i don't necessarily think that any of the time the three hour running time is wasted uh mm-hmm. however the pace the pace changes are a bit much I do think it's far more successful at certain genres than others. Um, interestingly, I think this is the shallowest analysis of the film you're going to hear all day. I think Shah Rukh Khan is 
better looking with facial hair. <laughs> and as such, I find him without facial hair. There's a couple of scenes in this where he's clearly, he's clean shaven and he's clearly wearing a wig. And I found it very mm -hmm. distracting, mm -hmm. um, which is super shallow of me. I'll fully admit. Um, but they're trying to make him look younger than 58. And this is the first time in a while that I've seen him in something and went, mm -hmm. wow, he looks 60, you know, like yeah. it's, yeah. and I just found the attempts to minimize that distracting. Mm -hmm. um, but when they're not trying to just to minimize that stuff, like all of the other scenes, basically all of the scenes, except for the romantic comedy section of the film, which to be fair is not a bad section of film. Um, but the rest of it is far more successful. I would say. Yes. There's three uh, films in this film for sure. I mean, there's, there's more than, there's probably more. There's like a mini series. <laughs> there's like two mini series in this film. Like it's a lot, there's a lot going on. It does not, it's weird to say the pace is a little off putting because it actually just never stops. Like even, yeah, it's true. just that like the pace, the pace for each section is appropriate. It's just that some of those sections are quite a bit different than the others in a way mm. that I have definitely seen. I mean, I would say that Patan does it more successfully. I would say RRR does it more successfully. Um, and it's just not quite as successful this time. Um, it's very interesting to me. To, we um, When I told my wife I was watching this and she saw Pathan with me, her first question was, have there been any three-layer deep flashbacks yet? And Because uh, Pathan has a flashback in a flashback in a flashback at one point. And um, I think it's very interesting as, as Western audiences, we're used to flashbacks are used usually a short section for context for something. And I, and in, in this culture of filmmaking, the flashbacks go on a long time and like, and sometimes they are many layered flashbacks. And so I think uh, my natural reaction usually is, oh, this flashbacks too long. Like it should be a short thing for context, but again, that's just what I'm used to. And um, I'd be very curious. I'm going to give it three stars as well, because I, I, I enjoy Pathan more. I, but I really love the last hour of this film, but I would be really curious to watch the theatrical cut to see if that gives uh, four, because I don't know how much was left out and it might push it up to a four if it shortens some of the romantic comedy elements earlier. It's the three as it stands. And I, I will also just say that like, I mean, obviously I think this is true for a lot of people. I had definitely seen Indian films before, but let me just shout out again to RRR for being the one that really like pushed me over the edge into like, okay, I need to engage with this era of cinema. And I'm glad like in another timeline, we never engaged with RRR, which means we never engaged with yeah. um, Patan or with Jawan or, and I never saw Brahmastra and I never saw like Tigers in the High and um, uh, Trishyam and like lots of other legitimately great and fun films and uh it's, mm -hmm. it's an area of filmmaking that i'm glad that we are actually paying attention to now is mm -hmm. uh yeah because like and i feel like it's underrepresented and kind of stereotyped in western sort of understanding in a way that isn't fair now that we've engaged with it and i'm glad that we're talking about it and also thank you i don't use twitter anymore but i'm sure matt you'll be able to help me give feedback on this when we did um rrr and we asked for suggestions we got tons of input from people on twitter um suggesting uh other indian movies we could watch and it was really really interesting to get all those and we've both built up playlists i know you watch quite a lot of them and uh so again like keep keep them coming because we are discovering this amazing culture of filmmaking that 
exist that really I don't know much about and the stars that you have. Like, if you want to tell me what um, uh, what uh, SRK's like best movie is, like, tell me and I'll watch it. And I may not agree with you, but I can't wait to watch more of his stuff. And, and uh, that, so thank you in advance for loving this kind of movie so much and, and keep telling us other things we can watch. So he's actually having like a hell of a year, really. Um, mm-hmm. Between this and Pathan, I think I think Brahmaster was technically this year too, or was it late last year? Um, hang on, let's just check. Because he's not like a main character uh, in Brahmastra, but he uh, he um, yeah, it's the end of last year, so he's having a pretty good two years. Uh, and also, um, I don't know when we're going to get a chance to see it, but I'm very much looking forward to Tiger Three. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which takes place in the same universe as Pathan and is a, a threequel to uh, Ek the, the Tiger and Tiger Zende Hai. And, uh, and also War is part of that franchise as well. It's another one I have to check out. So. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, that trailer looks great. Yeah. So anyway, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's back in a big way, and I'm glad that we're enjoying it. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and honestly... This is a total side note, but like if if this kind of film, it's obviously the kind that we're going to end up giving the most attention. But if this kind of film is your understanding of what Indian film is, I can personally say definitely seek out more Indian film because it is a wide spectrum of genres in the same way that North American film is. Um, mm-hmm. Two that I can recommend that I've seen in the last several years would be um, there's a film called Again, I mentioned it once before. It's a film called Dirishiam, which is a, a murder mystery, which is great. Um, and uh, one I really liked that I saw at the film Vancouver Film Festival a few years ago is called Lipstick on My Burka, which is about a group of women in India just existing in Indian society. Super great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But honestly, again, if you guys, if you, dear listeners, have feedback for us or suggestions on more stuff to watch to broaden our horizons. Yeah. Simon's right. Give it to us. Mm-hmm. We'd love to see it. We want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll do our best to keep covering it. Um, but I think that feels like the end of the show. So let's end it. There. Sure does. Yeah. Um, we'll be back next week. I, we don't hundred percent know what we'll be covering, but I have a pretty good idea that I'll share with Simon afterward. Um once again, if you'd like to support us, there are several ways to do that. Um, we do have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mcsimpson. Uh, this week's bonus episode will be free for all listeners, so go check that out if you like what you hear. Again, it's uh, the lowest tier, which does get all the bonus content, is just 2 bucks Canadian a month. And we would love to have you, and we would welcome and be very grateful for your support. Uh, you can also share the episodes on the social medias. Um Give us good reviews on podcasting platforms. Subscribe on whatever podcasting platforms you use. We are on all of them, including uh, Geo7 and a few other ones in India, if you're listening there. Um, uh, and if you'd like to interact with us, you can find the show on social media um, at Awesome Friday CA in most places. And you can find Simon, that isn't really on social media, but his homepage is temporarypen.com. You can find me on the social medias. Uh, I'm at Smatthew at most places, but you can find me at my homepage, which is stretched.ca. Um, last but not least, we are here in Vancouver, BC, Canada. We are broadcasting this from the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish nations. Um, one last time, 
Thank you so much for listening and for joining us on this awesome Friday. Bye.